Welcome to the Helihead Show. This is episode number 47. I am your host, Skids, Rekit, um... What's the other name they're giving me these days? <laughs> Every hand. I don't even Brady. know who the hell I am anymore, but I'm here, and we got Gucci. Hello, my friends. And we're missing a fence post. So, uh, yeah, we're like a three-legged dog. Yeah, but we have. Meaning. But we have Luke Wormhands. What up? And we've got Maynard. Legendary. No, legendary is Nick Maxwell. He's here too. Welcome to the show, oh, Nick. Oh, that's right. Jeez. Hey, how are you guys? This freaking guy, I tell you. <laughs> yep. Uh, what have you guys been up to? Well, um, not flying much, mm. but what the hell happened to uh, fence post? We got a leaning like fence and we need a post. Well, the weather is warm now. Mm. I think he's down the river with a case of beer. I really do. Oh, uh, or he put in like 50 flights because he's trying to get that last maneuver for his <laughs> next uh, competition. Yeah. No, he does. He, well, you know, Scott, he changes helicopters like he changes his underwear. So he's probably buying something else right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trading everything out. So selling everything. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. I think I'm in starting the fresh. Less, uh, or a message I saw today was something about uh, going full blown raw. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. <sighs> nice. Yeah. All right, you guys want to jump right in? Do it. Let's do it. All right, we'd like to thank everybody who listens and streams and downloads our podcast. We certainly appreciate each and every one of you for listening to us and putting up with us. But uh, let's get into some weeks. What you got, Gooch? Man, didn't do much. Gucci Gucci Master did not fly much, but I did manage to go out to a new uh, club. Because this club will be located less than two miles from my new house. Mm. So I figured might as well just go introduce myself because if I'll be that close to a flying field, there will be some flying happening. That's a fact. Pro hovering. Yep. So you brought you brought your Piper Cub? Uh no. <laughs> no, no good. I left my I left my plank days behind me. You know. Oh, come I was on. never a good plank pilot. Uh, so, what's what's the ratio at the new club? The ratio, believe it or not, it's mostly planks. However, <laughs> there's <laughs> quite, but there's quite a few um, ex helicopter pilots that actually used to be sponsored. Um, that used to compete back in the day, and I'm talking back in the day in the nineties. Okay, like um, like somebody, anybody we would know? No, of course not. Because, well, you that, know, what, you, you well, barely you show up to a club anyway. So why, what would you know about ex-pilots? <laughs> I'm just asking. Man. Now, I, I think they're just local to Ohio. You know, okay. Nick might remember some of them. Like, uh, do you remember a last name, Herb? E-R-B. Yeah, Tom Herb. Yep. Tom, yeah. So that's, uh, you know, I was talking to him. And there's quite a few. I think the other one that he said that he used to compete with is Mike Bantz. Um, but there they used to be quite a huge group up in uh, 
Cleveland area heli-wise, but it's since dissipated. And, you know, he told me, he's like, honestly, when I took a hiatus and I came back, you know, right about when we went to fly barless, he's like, I was completely out of what was going on. So he had. So he only flies planes now? Yeah, he pretty much flies planes and he's a full scale pilot too. So he's one of those folks that does a lot of hobbies. And we all know. I think you need to get him back into it, Gooch. You have a mission now. Yes. So I did ask him, I'm like, so if I come out here and I need to have somebody kind of watch some of my uh, advanced class maneuvers, would you kind of give me some pointers, you know, kind of see how I'm doing? He's like, yeah, sure. So it would be interesting to see if I could get him to maybe get interested in helis again. Because I think it's very much with that older group. All they need is to see somebody fly heli, you know, and yeah. it kind of brings them back into it. So I think you need to let him fly the Genesis. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, man. Come like, on. I, I, I couldn't even let Scott fly. Fly. Because oh. he wants to do that, you know, oh. you know, crazy 3D with it. So you need to be uh, good for the hobby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not letting anyone touch the Genesis or the Futaba, okay? I'm a part of an elite group now. <laughs> it's about as elite as it was going to be for me. So did that. However, I did have, I met a listener like out in the wild, completely mm. away from a club, you know, like, so I, was, I went to get a grab uh, lunch for me and my wife and one of the kids behind the counter saw my shirt. I had my Heliheads shirt on. So he started talking to me. He was like, you, you know, you listen to Heliheads? I'm like, kind of, yes. I'm one of the hosts. He's like, I did too. And Freefall. And just this kid just lost it when I told him. I'm like, yeah, that's Daniel Terry at Gucci on the show. He thought it was the coolest thing ever. So gave him some stickers and he was all beside himself, you know, that, you know, he doesn't have anything crazy in his fleet, but he flies Ellie's and it was, it was quite cool to meet him. His name is Sawyer. So I'm going to try to get him out to one of the flying fields because he just lo- currently, he just flies in the front yard of his parents' house. So, well, thanks for listening, cool. Sawyer. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. So that's awesome. Is he on the hangout? Do you know, did you tell him to go on there? Uh, no. So apparently he doesn't have any Facebook, Instagram or anything. He's completely, so to speak, like a true in the wild listener, man, which is pretty cool. Everything he, to the point that he's got now, which is, you know, he's flying blade helicopters, but everything to this point has been off heli freak and run rider and those type of, you know, uh, websites. So kudos to him. He was. He was probably 16 or 17 years old, okay. not old, you know, yeah. so it was cool to talk with him and I'm going to try to, you know, get him to come out to one of the clubs when I'm in the area. So, yeah. um, and he's, he's definitely planning to come out to the fun fly in July. So that was pretty cool too. Awesome. So I promised him that I'll, you know, I'll find somebody if it's not me, somebody else would buddy box him on a 700 size heli. So that was pretty, pretty cool. You know? Plant the seed for the future, right? There you go. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, I haven't really done much. I'm moving, which, you know, I'm not looking forward to living out of boxes. But mm. that's about it for me. All right. Well, Scott, what you got? 
I flew 30 times. Awesome. Sweet, dude. <laughs> Kyle, what you got? Uh, it was a busy week uh, with work. And unfortunately, not a lot of flying. I met Manny Nito out at the field on uh, last Wednesday. We got some flights in. Manny. Yeah, my good boy, Manny. He's, uh, he's a good dude. We hang out and fly Thank quite you. a bit. So I flew with him, and then I unfortunately spent a lot of time at the dentist this week. Uh, I've been putting off a lot of tooth work for many years now, and it's at the point where I can no longer put it off. So I have to get some root canals, and I still have all four of my wisdom teeth that have to come out at the same time. Oh, dang. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So, Sorry, yeah. man. I was at yeah. the dentist, too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's no fun. But See you next get year. it done. And, yeah, exactly. But did that. Uh, flew the raw nitro some more, just uh, hmm. getting that thing tuned and dialed in. Flying it on an OS ninety one HZR, and it just reminded me just how amazing that engine is. Because I've been really flying is. the one hundred five for for the past several years, so it's good to go down memory lane and fly that thing again. Yeah, yeah, I've been rocking a ninety one too. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Easy to tune. Uh, I had a I had probably five or six cases of Byron's thirty. At my dad's nice. house that I stole last time, so <laughs> just working my way through that very quickly right now. But yeah, flew that. Uh, finished up some builds. Some of the guys at the local field uh, gave me their hellies to build, particularly Goblin Raws, and I'm so used to that thing by now. I can build it from box to flying in about four to five hours. So did two in a day, and then uh, made them over the weekend for them, and that's about it. Oh, Question. I had the, yeah. Uh, part number for the raw boom. H1349-S. <laughs> Love it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. Nice. Okay, let's really get him. What's the part number for that battery box on the side of the nitro? <laughs> Doesn't have one yet. Boom! Yeah. Got him. Yeah. I can, I can make one up for you. <laughs> better. No. no, it's cool. No. Yeah. Pretty cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. For those of you that don't know, we're talking about the raw nitro has a battery box on the side of the frame. Yeah, that yeah. attaches with uh, two screws. Comes on and off easy. You can change flight packs. You can leave the canopy on all the time, and it helps with the CG. Nice. Is it? Um, is that a three D printed thing or is it molded? No, it's a plastic mold. Okay, nice. Yeah. yeah, plastic mold. One of those screws is slotted, and the other one is not. So you really just loosen the the rear bolt and then you pull the front one all the way out so you can change a flight pack in about 10 seconds yeah 10 mm, seconds. okay nice yeah. yeah it's cool i like it sweet Pretty sweet can't wait to get yeah. soon soon i think we're going to be doing pre-orders here in the next couple of weeks once uh what's your um your you're ready to fly weight on that thing everyone's been asking me and i don't have an answer i have not weighed it yet um, <laughs> Yeah, I would okay. tell you the weight That's of the prototype, cool. but uh, a lot has changed since then. It is very light overall, though. I can tell you that. Because the electric raw was pretty light, right? Yeah, reasonable-ish. Yeah. yeah. But this one is uh, setting a new standard. I can tell you that. Okay. Wow. Sweet. Heard it yeah. first. Yeah. But that's about it. Memorial Day sale over the weekend, so thank you to everyone who shopped at BK Hobbies, and mm. just working on getting your orders out to you. Nice. Yes. I'm waiting. That's all I got. Patiently. Yeah. Soon. <laughs> Soon. Uh, all right, Maynard. What you got, buddy? Uh, not much for me. Um, got the same thing as Kyle. I've been to the dentist, too. I got plenty of work to catch up on, but 
That's neither here nor there. Um, not much flying this week. Uh, last weekend during Memorial Day was, you know, a bunch of running around and not much flying. But um, I did uh, finally get a uh, replacement power supply for my charge case. So okay. I got that set up and together finally because that was long overdue. Nice. Um, yeah. So. That's about it for me. Nothing right. nothing good, just, you know, normal maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fun, so. Very fun. Well, yeah. I only have a week to talk about. I don't have a two weeks to talk about. But, um, well, that's kind of true, not true. But at any rate, um, I guess right after the show was released, uh, was it that weekend maybe before the show released? I think it was actually. Um, so that weekend, uh, the Monday before, or the weekend before that Monday of the last show, uh, we all just, well, we all, uh, there was a couple of us that decided to go to Prosser Field in Georgia. And uh, that's over there. For those of you who remember, it's uh, close by Clint Aiken's house of Castle. Um, but um, it's just a big open field that's really not a club necessarily. It's just, you know, show up and fly. It's uh, near Helen's Hobbies. And, um, me, uh, me and Ben rode down there to, uh, hang out with, uh, you know, uh, the Fire King and, uh, Mrs. Fire King, Queen. It's a queen? I guess it'd be queen, wouldn't it? But, um, we had a good time. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know. How far is that from us to go? Uh, I think it was about two and a half hours for us, you know, touching. Oh, okay. That's not bad. No, no, not at all. So... It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, the, the field was really big, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, we were, I was cranking out flights. I think I put in about 12 flights that day. Um, but it, it did come with casualties. Um, so one of the things was, is that I was like, man, I really want to start flying a little bit lower. And I found low enough. Let's just say that. And I put my raw in. So after the last show of saying, man, I'm so glad I don't have any wrenching to do. Well, <laughs> the heli gods found a way, didn't they? So, mm. yeah. So Dang. put that guy in. Um, he was pretty gnarly, actually. Um, I mean, even compared to past helicopters that I've owned, I mean, you know, I mean, if you minus off the blades, of course, I mean, it's like sub 300 bucks, you know, like 250-ish. But you know, still, uh, that's pretty reasonable considering it's a 700. So pretty happy with that. Uh, it would have been better had I not had to replace the canopy. Uh, but it got tore up pretty good. Um, so it actually kind of went in nose first, but blades hit first. And then it kind of just drove itself in after that. Um, cause I was pretty low, but, uh, I broke my fancy carbon boom. So that was kind of a bummer. Uh, but luckily I have a replacement here, so I'll be able to get it back together. So this past week I've just been throwing down, you know, getting parts ordered and whatever else. Cause obviously we have, uh, the dragonfly event coming. So I need to make sure all my stuff's done. But so if that wasn't good enough, um, I was practicing inverted autos with the 580 and man, it was fun. I, I've always been the kind of person that was just like, you know, don't auto in a way that's you're going to break your shit. But I broke my shit, by the way. But anyway, um, 
it was it was fun anyways uh i was i was having a ball like doing you know auto after auto kind of thing and um just trying to get better at bringing it in closer once it's you know done whatever um but uh and i was bouncing it around i was you know at the bottom i was given a little too much collective and of course the head speed was wound up because i had oversped it and so it kind of you know leapt back up like leaped way high up in the air and and uh so it was kind of running out of inertia to bring it down a lot of times and so it would kind of bounce around and so one time it did bounce and um I think it broke a link or something like that or popped a link off. So we went and put the link back on. I was like, I think it might be okay. So I spooled it back up and started to try and take off again. But it was like the link, it, it seemed as if the link was popped off again, even though it wasn't. And one of the blades was like fluttering real bad. Oh, sounded like mine the other week. Yeah. Except <laughs> that it, I couldn't, I couldn't pull back to get the, the tail to settle back down. Like it was kind of nosing forward. And, and so I was trying to pull back and it wouldn't. So I, you know, grabbed throttle hole, but the blade still hit. The blades broke, uh, went over to it, took the canopy off. We're kind of poking around, just seeing like, you know, what's going on. And I think Ben was the first to notice it, but one of the servos seemed locked up. <laughs> Uh, I was about to put the canopy back on and be like, all right, well, I guess I, you know, fried a servo, whatever. And, um, and I was re reaching down to unplug the battery and put the canopy on and Brandon all of a sudden says, he's like, dude, your servo's on fire. And like, it was like smoke pouring out of the servo. So it was really bad. It was real bad. Um, so I That's guess that awesome. was probably what the cause of it nosing forward you know and uh and why it wasn't responding so yeah I, I i i'm not going to speak ill of the servos um i mean obviously i i had just done bouncy autos for like the last 10 times or more so it's very possible that you know i just hit it just right in a way that it maybe caused some kind of internal damage i don't know but um I just to be on the safe side, I'm going to replace them with uh, some standby servos that I have and uh, get that guy going again. Um, but I don't think there was much damage. I, I, I think it was just the servo and the blades. Um, Kyle, I need some so blades. You couldn't get the magic smoke back in? No, no. Some smoke would not go back in. Um, no. Okay. But yeah, I need a, I need a six, set of 603s. I totally forgot. Um, <laughs> They're coming. Cool. But uh, yeah, so uh, did break the blades uh, again. The servo. I, I'm going to change the servos out. Get that back buttoned up, ready to go. I uh, did not break Carter's. Believe it or not, bouncing it in as hard as I was. I was. I really thought at one point that I broke a Carter, um, but it actually did just fine. The 580 is such a badass machine. I love that thing. Um, but uh, that pretty much ended my day. But I mean, we'd been there for quite some time at this point. <laughs> And, uh, and so we, we ended up packing up shortly after and Ben and I went over to the hobby shop and hung out, uh, there to kind of take a look around a lot of cars, lots of boats, believe it or not. Um, a little tiny section for airplanes, not much in the way of helicopters. So he had a couple in there, older stuff like Raptors. Um, but it was really good to talk to him. And, uh, he, he had some stories of, of the past, you know, of when there were cool events going on and, and whatever. 
Um, but, um, yeah, so not not much to report beyond that. Those guys didn't crash. They did really well, if I remember right. Um, Brandon is freaking killing it. The dude flies so much that it's just, he's, he's looking solid. So, um, really cool. Ben was actually doing, like, half Pyros, like, two feet off the deck. I mean, I'll give him two feet. It might have been less. But it was unbelievable. I mean, I was like, whoa, this dude usually flies in freaking nosebleed, and he's down on the deck doing like half pyros. It was, it was amazing. Crazy. So, thought it was really cool. Um, so, he, you crashed twice in one day? I sure did, buddy. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, that's usually how it works. Yeah, you're the me. worst. <laughs> I am the worst crasher. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I want to get it down lower, man. I just tell you, I need to you know, find that control there to, to balance it all out and, um, find the sweet spot. So, um, that's funny, but, um, yeah, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> there you go, don't man. we all get yeah, to find the sweet spot, but, nice. uh, yeah. So, but it was still a really good time. We had a, we had an awesome time. I don't think I got back. Like phew, it was late. It was like, I want to say like nine 30 or 10 at night. It was crazy. Um, but, uh, then the following weekend after that, uh, we, we took the camper on a voyage to uh, Chimney Rock, and it was just a little family trip that we did, and uh, it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. I was amazed that the, uh, the mullet ram uh, pulled the camper through the mountains. It's pretty awesome. So no nice. issues there. Thank goodness. But uh, yeah, contribution wide open the whole time. Was it wide open the entire time? No, no. Yeah. No. I actually did like 55, 65 a lot of the time. Uh, until it was, you know, going up some of the windy roads that you obviously couldn't go that fast. So, you know, 35, 45 on some of that. But if it was like a major road, I mean, dude, I was doing 55 to 65 the entire time. So that's, I consider that pretty good. But, uh, but yeah, so wrapping up, I, I now have tons of wrenching to do, which really sucks. Cause I've also got to put together a secondary raw. <sighs> so I need help. Ben, where's my freaking mechanic? This is bullshit. <laughs> tell you ben is like, not again. Yep. I feel used. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure like every time my stuff goes in, he goes, Dadgum it, this guy. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, I think you're probably the only one on the show right now that has a personal mechanic. <laughs> I mean, let's be um, honest with that. Yeah, he messaged me the other day and he was like, he goes, man, it's been a minute since we've hung out. And I was like, bro. I got tons of work for you. And he was, <laughs> it was like crickets. He ghosted me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I don't remember what he said, but, but yeah, he, he's like, man, we got to hang out. I was like, I know, dude, it's been like friggin' three weeks or more. So, <clears throat> so I just realized that I left something out. Oh, uh-huh, go ahead. Since, so while you were at Prosser Field, me and Scott, we were at the Mid-Atlantic Heli Championship. Yes, you do need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So, that same weekend, uh, we went down to Virginia. <clears throat> Robert Monty held his Mid-Atlantic Heli Championship. We did uh, Advanced Class, Sportsman Class, and F3M. So, um, I mean, we had 12, I think it was 12 total pilots that competed between all the classes. Um, let's see. Scott came in second to Ting Yang, uh, in the F3N class. And I came second, 
behind Shaggy Parker in the advanced class. And as far as the sportsman class, we had the grand winner of all, Cliff Lewis, won that one. Congrats, Cliff. Yeah. Yeah. And believe it or not, Steve Yoon from Freefall RC, uh, Freefall RC Podcast actually competed in yeah. both Sportsman Class and F3M. He hovered. Yep, he sure did with his raw. Mm-hmm. How about that? So that was pretty cool. I had a great fun, a lot of ton of uh, fun with it. I got to not only compete, but also I was uh, I did judging for Sportsman and F3M. And I got to tell you, I'm. We'll talk about it more, but it was super tough to judge for the first time after yet, especially freestyle and uh, freestyle with music. So nice. It was it was challenging. Let's put it that way, but it was it was fun nevertheless. So right. Congrats to Cliff. He was kind of didn't expect it for sportsman class. Um. I, I didn't expect, uh, I thought I was going to be the only one in advanced class, but last minute Shaggy decided to join the fun. So we, we had a good old time. It was awesome. That is cool. Yep. So wide variety of helis. I got to say the quietest heli in the sportsman class was a Diablo. Mm. Um, and it was uh, Richard Sowers' uh, Diablo. It was... Whew, it was smooth, man. Wow. I was super impressed by it. Hmm. But the Genesis represented in both classes, so that was that. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested now. I hope we have more of these in the future. So very cool. Uh, I, I was thinking about coming to Nashville, Nick, but after you told us a little bit of info and i'm like i don't know it's actually a not not that bad of a drive but it's like seven hours i think and um i wish we had more competitions to be honest so that's that's that sorry i, okay. I kind of came in halfway no worries uh did we end. get did we get no. next week no nick is next all right he's gonna yeah. wrap it up for us all right nick why don't you tell us about your week buddy okay uh well, I didn't go to the dentist, um, <laughs> but my mom did come down and visit for the long weekend, and that, at times, is about as painful. Uh, <laughs> so, I spent a lot of time out on the lawnmower and in the shop, and so I got to fly quite a bit. Um, I painted the F3C course for the first time this year uh, out in the backyard. And uh, made sure stuff was ready to go to San Diego next week. So nice. Thursday afternoon, I leave to go to San Diego. Awesome. Very nice. cool. So I only, everything was working pretty good. I had a helicopter with some thrust bearings that were going bad, so I changed those out. But other than that, it was just flying. Awesome. Very cool. All right. Well, if nobody has anything else to add, Maynard, what's next, buddy? Who's next? Oh. Oh. What is hot? (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Is that good? Yep. Not bad. Eight out of ten. You know. Close? Close. 7.5. Thanks. All right. So, the first thing on (laughs) what is hot. 
how about the, uh, the some of the pictures of the production model for the raw nitro? Mm. That's Ooh, been coming good. in hot. Yep. Sir. Uh, I I'm not gonna lie, but if if uh, Kyle and Bert allow me, I might put in an order for that pre-order on the raw nitro. We'll see. There you go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some some talking to do here. So, <laughs> so wait, are are they giving it like a cool name, like the Rotro or no, 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 the Goblin Raw Nitro? It's the Rotro. Yeah. Don't believe him. It's Rotro. <laughs> Rotro. <laughs> <laughs> So it's I'm excited. Not, about it's that not one. nitro. It's rotro. Rotro. Yeah. Yeah, I like rotro. There you go. So we're getting close, which I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. And the the next thing is, which I, I don't know how excited I I am about it, but I'll still bring it up because it's new. It's the new V Bar apps. Um, looks like some custom data logging. Uh, tandem heli support which initially i thought was like oh cool maybe now we have better tandems at rchl <laughs> nice um but that's for the uh tandem um blades right like a chinook setup right yeah uh then we have the advanced vibration analysis app which it sounds like it's more detailed kyle yeah, I don't. I've, I haven't played with the apps yet, so I don't really know what they fully entail. But I guess it'll show you more about vibration and vibration levels. Okay. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Another thing worth mentioning is that these are paid apps, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are getting uh, pretty wound up over it. But uh, <laughs> not another forty dollars. No. Yeah. I mean, they're not required. Uh, they're just they're add-on apps. If you want them, you can buy them. If you don't, then you don't get them. Plain and simple. Yeah. How, mu- how much is Angry Birds? two dollars two dollars well i i feel like we've gone through this so to speak craziness uh going back to uh what the bobby watts and you when you guys released some of the videos that Mm. you were charging like three dollars and people went nuts for it about it right same situation but it's cool that they're still doing new stuff right yeah, I mean, are you going to use it or not? Whatever. Uh, you know who's going to love it is Scott Graham, especially that custom data logging. He's going to wet himself once he starts playing with that. Oh so, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. got his name yeah, written all over it. Yeah. yeah. Will, it, will the vibration analyzer show you all the vibration when you tank your heli in across the field? <laughs> oh, it's ground. That'll 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 be good for Scott. Yeah. He's just going to say pull up, pull up, <laughs> yeah. pull up. So no, that was pretty cool. I saw that. I haven't even looked at it to to read more about it, but I did see a lot of people talk about it, and part of it was the the cost. But I th- right. I don't think it's. I think it was something like forty eight euros or something like that. Which I don't know. I don't feel like that's crazy, but we'll see what people say in the future about it. But who knows? Uh, yep. And the last thing, this is something that we came across was that there's a new RV heli, and this is a brand that we really don't see much in the States. And I think it's more prominent overseas and more prominent in F3C. Um, you know, I, I think they have the custom brand RV motors, the Nebula um brand and so on and so forth but they came out with a new e700 type heli electric 700 
and I'm not even going to try to pronounce this, even though I'm foreign. Uh, no way. But it's called, uh, the name of the heli is D-U-B-H-E. Dube. This one's popular in Amsterdam. It's the Doobie. <laughs> Doobie. Doobie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, it's the but yeah, it's just, it's got some blink parts on there and ionized parts, so on and so forth. So it looks cool. The person flying it, I think he's from out in, you know, um, Asia, being the crap out of it. And just like any newer heli, new model, it's it held up pretty good. I, I thought it was pretty cool that there are still new helis coming out, you know, from different brands. So um, that was about it that I saw. Any Anything you guys might have seen that you want to bring up? Mm. Yeah, uh, that's a big fat no. Nope. I don't think I no. Nope. No. Mm-hmm. Not actually getting mayonnaise. No? <laughs> yeah, it's just but you know, Mm-mm-mm. maybe you know. I did see you brought it up, Kevin, right? That the some of the pricing for those engines went up. Yeah, and I, I think Freefall touched on really? it too. Um, yeah. That the 105 is like now 660 bucks. Yeah, come and, on. Yeah, and the OS 55 is like um, uh, the HCR is 499. Okay. Good grief! Wow. So I, I COVID. Yeah, COVID, I, man. I, I guess so. Um, I price should be going down. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hope that's not a forever thing, because yep. if they seriously, yeah, because that's going to definitely drive people away from nitro. Yeah, like like they're already not away from nitro. Just getting yeah. good. We're already a small group, you know, to begin mm-hmm. with. Yeah. So. So yeah, first we can't afford fuel. Now we can't afford the dang motors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll eat ramen noodles for a week. For yeah, a, a yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, just uh, just keep an eye out, you know, for new stuff. If anyone of any one uh, of our listeners see something new that they would like to mention that nobody else mentioned, you know, emails. I think that would be pretty cool to talk about it. But mm-hmm. pretty light, nothing crazy. But just some all new right. things coming up. That's all I have. Sounds good. All right. Well, let's take a short break and we will be right back. Hey, everyone. Since my return to the hobby, I was in pursuit for the best flying helis on the market. SAB Goblin has grown exponentially in popularity over the years, so it seemed only fitting that I try a Goblin. After owning a few now, I always shop where customer service is top notch bkhobbies.com. BK Hobbies carries SAB Goblin, BK Servos, Switchblades, and other various electronics. Not to mention, Bert and Kyle have years in the hobby as competition pilots and are both ambassadors of the hobby. So why would you shop anywhere else? BKHobbies.com All right, welcome back. Uh, As mentioned before, we have a, a very special guest with us tonight. We have Nick Maxwell on with us. And uh, we're going to talk about competition. And uh, specifically, we're going to talk about F3C, F3N, uh, what's entailed, preparation, you know, what does he do for it, uh, what's involved. And uh, we're going to touch on a lot of this stuff with Nick. So, uh, again, welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So, with competition, let's just get right down to it. Uh, How do you prep? 
to get ready? Like, for example, you're going to San Diego. Like, what are you going to do to get yourself ready for that? Um, well, basically, for the fun fly stuff, um, kind of just make sure the stuff's running smooth uh, and just make sure that I kind of uh, am comfortable with the helicopter and that I haven't changed something um, <laughs> that makes it fly drastically different. Right. Put it in a box and go. Nice. Do you do the golf case deal or? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for the. 3D machines, uh, I've got, or F3N, I've got just that standard golf case, that silver one that everybody uses from, I forget what brand it is, but, uh, and then for the F3C stuff, I've got a big uh, dual laminated cardboard box that I put them in. Mm, Very nice. So I think you've mentioned before that you try not to travel with your F3C machines, if at all possible. Um, but, uh, what, what are you taking with you? What do you do to get prepared for a competition like that? Yeah. So for the F3C stuff, um, obviously those fuselages and the helicopters are, um, I leave them assembled. So I try not to take them where I don't have to, unless I'm driving, um, simply because the, those fiberglass bodies just get scratched and stuff like that putting them in the airplane and all that stuff. But, um, so if I, if I were going to like a West coast F3C event, I would probably bring pot and boom. Um, okay. Unless it was like a world championships or nationals, um, something where the, having the body kind of helps, um, for the F3N stuff. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just like going to a 3d event. Yeah. So when you do travel, um, mm-hmm. specifically by airplane, well, I mean, even if you drive, I mean, like, what are you, what are you bringing with you? I mean, do you, you bring in extras, you, or do you just, if one goes in, it's done for the weekend. I mean, do you bring extra parts and all that kind of stuff? Like, what do you get into? Yes, for sure. Um, so I try to bring one of everything that I typically break, mm-hmm. um, which obviously if you fly it straight into the ground, you're kind of done for, but um like if you tip over in an auto so i always bring spare tail blades tail shaft tail hub um thrust bearings that's been a new one i went to virginia and uh it had rained on the way home and uh i opened up the case and apparently (laughs) the case is not waterproof obviously it it rusted the thrust bearings and some screws and stuff like that so i tend to bring stuff like that if that happens um Glow plugs for a glow machine, landing gear, main blades, main shaft, head axle, ball links. Okay. I think just about anything that could that you can repair at the field easily um, right. that would keep you from, from flying. Gotcha. Now, as far as the batteries, you carry them on with you? And how yeah. Many, I, how many yeah. sticks do you bring? So I get, I, I carry on basically whatever I can fit in there. Um, I've had really good luck with batteries. I've never had them taken away anywhere. Um, like to the world championships last time, um, I brought three stick packs and then three sets of 5,600 for the F3C machine all in my carry on. Um, Jesus. I, I was very, I was very lucky that when I lived in Indiana, um, Indianapolis airport wasn't real big. Um, and Huntsville here in town is a really small airport. Um, just one little terminal with a few gates. And, um, there's a lot of like 
with Arsenal here and a lot of engineering type UAV stuff here. They're pretty used to it. Um, there's a couple ladies that work there that, oh, where are you going this weekend? <laughs> um, but uh, I think the biggest thing, right, is like if you if you go through TSA with all those batteries and you just act like it's your toy helicopter that your neighbor bought at Walmart, they're going to go, oh, my neighbor's got one of those. That's cool. Okay. And they let you through. Um, so usually I keep a picture on my phone and I just say, here's my toy helicopter. It's in the, it's checked down there. I'm going to a flying event. And they go, oh, cool. Have fun. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Cause you know, some people <clears throat> not mentioning any names has some bad uh experiences with uh checking. I'm not gonna <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> oh. oh god. <laughs> yeah. I lose my batteries every single time. They just take them and run away. That's you funny. don't look like a terrorist. <laughs> I know, but it's, uh, I got the baby face and everything, but they uh they don't trust me. Yeah. Oh, well. That's funny. Huh. I well I hope that doesn't rub off on me, but <laughs> <laughs> now another thing talking batteries do you take a charger with you or do you just find somebody that event to uh hook you up a little bit with some charges uh, to competitions yes um so i try to not because i don't want to hang out with somebody but i i never want to rely on somebody else at a competition sure that makes sense um after you put that much effort into practicing and sometimes money and I mean, you know, it's not like this stuff is all just handed to you. I mean, sometimes you cost personally a lot of time and money to go and do your best. So, um, I try to like to the world championships and to the national stuff, I bring soldering irons and dermal tools and everything to basically redo that. But, um, for fun flies, yeah, I just text somebody and say, hey, can I borrow your charger? I'll bring my leads. <laughs> so, Has anyone told you no? No, Nick, sorry. <laughs> yes, yes. In Seattle, Washington. And the reason why was because the year previous to that, I melted this poor guy's charger. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it was completely deserved. But um, I charged way too fast. And I guess my banana plugs had gotten worn out or corroded or something. And so they got really hot when I was charging on his charger, and I melted the crap out of this guy's case. I felt so oh, bad. Wow. At least you felt bad, right? So I th- actually, I think I sent him some money for it because he didn't want. He told me not to, but I think I, I think I figured out his PayPal or something. And, <laughs> but um, that was that's several awesome. years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of you know I've never you know nor has Kevin ever traveled by air you know to an event. So we were trying to figure out, like, well, what, how can we do this? And, you know, we're going back and forth. It's like, well, I guess you, we could ask just somebody there to ship him our batteries to make it easier, maybe. Like, <laughs> we're just trying to come up with ideas. And But, yeah, I think I feel you on the, you know, I, I would hate to, de- I hate depending on other people, you know, because it's just not your stuff, you know. But, yeah, and you you don't know if if your buddy and you plan to share a set of tools or share a charge or something at a competition, they mm-hmm. could get the flu and not show up. Yeah, yeah. True. I mean, it, it, you you never know. Um, I know I've had to cancel events due to sickness before, so I think it can happen to anybody, right? So. Yep. Well, that's why you know usually you have a, a stand-in, right, for like the the worlds. There's always mm-hmm. the the primaries, and then you have a a backup, right? Yes, so I, I tend to bring. I, I keep actually right now I'm not, but um, I have two F3C machines and three 3D slash F3N. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I usually take two ready to fly, and then I'll take the tail boom and the rotor head off the backup, or that okay. third one, and then throw it in the box if it's a big competition. Sweet. All right. Anything else on prep, guys? Seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. Okay, let's move into F3C. Let's do it. The, the heavy hitter that puts some people to sleep, but I think it's because they don't do it. Because if you actually do it, it's a lot harder, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm awake. It, is, it admittedly is like watching paint dry to watch. Um, but if you actually do it and are engaged, um, it's a lot of fun because you're, you're actually moving the sticks more for F3C than you are 3D sometimes, micromanaging things in a hover. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's walk through the F3C, so to speak. What it consists of, you know, you know, obviously there's different maneuvers, set maneuvers. Kind of walk us through a little bit the, the different schedules for F3C. This is FAI F3C, not the lower class MA stuff, which is similar, but not F3C level, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think it's all the same. Um, you're given a set of hovering maneuvers and your aerobatics. Yep. Um, and your hovering is on a painted course, and you've got two flags that you need to try to get your main shaft over. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is what you're judged against. Um, obviously, it's subjective because no matter what angle you're at, it's going to look different. But uh, the golden rule is if you are over the flag, it will look over the flag anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as long Sounds as you're so over easy. It, yeah, as long as you're over it, then you <laughs> doesn't matter if they're standing over in Timbuktu that you should look over the flag. Um, but obviously, nobody's perfect, and you can't hit the flag, so you try to get it the best you can. And sometimes you have to weigh your differences. Um, if you know you're not over the flag, try to get it so it looks over the flag at least to a couple of the judges. Uh, the aerobatics are pretty straightforward and in, in effect they're just shapes so loops use yeah. things like that yeah so there's two different schedules of maneuvers right that the F, FAI F3C has is the P schedule and the F schedule right short mm-hmm. I think it's SF slash F schedule and those have set maneuvers now those two schedules they're used in a competition, both of them. They don't just pick one or the other, right? Yes. So P is flown in the preliminaries, the first four rounds, and then the okay. S. Now, the rules changed this year, and I honestly didn't memorize how it works, but I guess there's like a semifinal where it cuts half the guys, and then it goes to semifinal, and then cuts half again to the finals. But the next three rounds after the first four are the final schedule. Cool. And in theory, the F schedule should be more demanding or more tasking than the P schedule. More complex? Yeah. Okay. And sometimes it never is. Sometimes P schedule is got just as hard stuff. So Yeah. Uh, so there's no music. You know, we'll, we'll kind of rule that out. So you don't have to do any mus- music uh, flights or anything like that. Yep. Um, you do have, talk to us about a little bit about the, the spotter, right? Because you do need a spotter slash maneuver call out person. Is that a requirement or is optional? Uh, it's a requirement. Um, okay. Well, I get, I, I don't know. I guess you could call it for yourself. 
Yeah, because um, I was looking for the advanced class, the lower classes um, in the MAA, and I think it's not a requirement. However, it talks so that you can call your own. But let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd just let somebody else do it for you. Yeah. Um, so, like in that in that case, like usually my dad or um, my buddy Jason or somebody else or Gordy does it. Um, and your caller in a hover, you just kind of nod to them and they say, okay, now. And the second your skids touch the ground, they say complete. In the aerobatics, um, typically my dad and Jason and I work together real well. So they can usually call it before I start the maneuver. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Gordy does it, a lot of times, or when you have like a group at like Tim's thing in Nashville, um, we'll all call for each other, but we all don't fly together that much. So you don't really know. Um, it's just usually they, they call it at the, at the window when the window is, uh, you know, the 120 degree window. Yeah. So once you, once you enter that window, they just say begin now. And as the pilot, you should just be level. The biggest yeah. thing is you just want to be level when they say begin, because the second they can't technically judge anything before begin and they can't technically judge anything after complete. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Cause I, I had, uh, what's his name? Shaggy, uh, call out for me. Uh-huh. And really, like I told him, I said, I mean, he, Shaggy's been doing the advanced class now for a year or more. Right. And mm-hmm. I said, dude, I trust that you could call it, you know, you know, in in the window, right, as you would call it, mm-hmm. and you know, I kind of just let him for all the um, the upstairs maneuvers, the aerobatic maneuvers. He called out without me saying anything. You know, mm-hmm. like I kind of let him do that. Now, the only thing on for the hovering maneuvers, I would let him know, like, okay, start now, and he would, you know, call it out for me. Um, mm-hmm. And he would obviously call complete when I was back on the ground. You know. So that was, it was pretty interesting that, you know, you still have to have some kind of conversation with your person. You can't just be like, you know, like, even if they're going to do all the call outs for you, like at least have, be on the same page, you know? So that's cool. Cool. Uh, Let's see next. There's, you know, time limitations, right? You can't just take three hours. Not that your heli would fly for three hours, but, um, What are the limitations for the different schedules? Because each schedule has different limitations. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got to be honest. Reading the notes here, it's nine minutes for P and eight for uh, the final schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be honest. That is a long time. Um, yeah, you got to be moving pretty slow if you go over that amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that kind of gets you on that one is in FAI, you have to hover from, or in F3C, you have to hover from that little hover pad over on the right or left of the field to the hover course. Mm -hmm. Um, The second you leave that, you get two minutes in that box to do whatever you want. You just can't rotate past 180 degrees. Okay. Um, But as you walk out, your time does start. So typically I just kind of, boogie it out there you just want to make sure that you don't ever go past 180 degrees now at a united states in the united states contest and even at the nationals and stuff like that nobody is that strict if you accidentally slip up and go 100 and you know 360 degrees do a pirouette <laughs> in the box nobody's gonna like zero you um, not so for you today what i mean i'm flying here 
Yeah. yeah. That would completely take the fun out of it if everybody was that. Um, yeah. But at a high level, um, yes, that, that does get. Like, I was more, to, to be honest, doing the advanced class, I was more worried about running out of juice in the packs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most helicopters you know? don't fly for nine minutes, so it's... Yeah, so like the biggest thing is what I realized, you know, and not that I was fast or slow. It took me for the advanced class, which was the three hover maneuvers, and then the four upstairs maneuvers. It took me a little bit over six minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and that was consistent yeah. again across all the rounds. So I'm sure you probably, you know, through all the years when you started, you kind of, you know, know what the goal is, give or take, you know, seconds at that point. Yeah, yeah. There are some guys that fly really, really big, and they might be getting close to that nine or eight minutes, but I think most of us are all within the six to seven minute. Yeah. I think the one thing that I was surprised, too, is that we were talking, like, distances, you know, as far as how far up, how far away, so on and so forth, because there is actually, in the FAI, clearly gives you some, sort of speak, limitations on where you, you the flight box on quote unquote is for aerobatic maneuvers right you can't be completely outside that box you know you're going to get deducted on that right so you have to be within a general vicinity of that flight box you can't just do fly in the stratosphere you know potentially yeah it need, i think so you have to fly within that that degree of window mm-hmm. um and then the degree window goes up which is i believe 60 degrees okay so now obviously that means that if you fly further out you can go higher because it's it's an angle yeah. right mm-hmm. um on that one i i have a little bit different theory i tend to fly the maneuvers where they look the best Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're doing round maneuvers it is better to do them a little further out if you're doing straight line maneuvers it's better to do them a little closer in yeah like a four minute roll or a slow roll or something like that yes and, and you anything that is straight you definitely don't want to do very low because um, subconsciously then you have something and the ground is never level most places mm-hmm. Um, you want to do it where there's not a reference. And obviously, the further out you do things, the less. If you do a loop close to yourself, um, a round loop to you will not look round to the judges that are sitting behind you because their point of point of view is different. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to almost do like a little bit of an egg shape to make it look round. Mm. Um, so what, and what you're telling me is if the judges have really thick glasses... The further away, the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, that I, was, uh, I think that was one of, I don't know if it was Gordy's complaint, but Monty made reference to it, which was that, you know, people have, you know, flying too low or too close and not, you know, kind of starts to be giving themselves a little bit of a space, you know, so uh, everything looks a lot better. So it's interesting. Yes. And that is one other thing that you can kind of laugh at, too, is if if the pilots back in the crowd are trying to actually judge the guy flying, um, and then afterwards they go, well, that wasn't round, or that wasn't this, and how'd they get that score? They really have no idea, because they were looking at it at a 45-degree, 300, you know, 25 feet back. It's going to look totally different than what it does looking in the judge's chair. Yeah. And as, as the pilot versus the judge, they're sitting and you're standing. That completely changes the angle that you're looking up at the air 
aerobatic maneuver or hovering. Now, when you practice, especially aerobatics for F3C, do you have somebody that you every so often meet up with to kind of watch certain things? Or is it by now, because you've been doing it for a while, you kind of just know what to look for? Uh, no, absolutely. You have to have somebody. Okay. Um, so, if because most of the time, if it looks straight around to you, it's probably not. Um, that's what I've learned. And if it looks like it's over the flag to you, it might not actually be there because you could be three feet in and three feet towards yourself, but to you, it's still going to look over the flag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so it, the other thing is too, you've, like I said, it's point of reference, but I actually have whoever's helping, um, sit in a chair from the position of the judges. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, because it completely changes how it how it looks, um, but yeah. And to you, you, when you're the pilot, you know you think, okay, I pinched the bottom of that loop, or okay, I, the the top was flat, or something like that. But when you fixed it, that might have been more glaring than the problem. So it's good to have somebody. Okay. Watch. Sweet. That's kind of all I had for any any wisdom words of wisdom on F3C or just straight practice, 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 uh, practice and just start doing it. It doesn't matter what helicopter you've got, what setup, whatever. Just just try it. Um, mm -hmm. Even as complicated as something will sound, I can guarantee you it is not that complicated. Um, it is just incredibly easy stuff. They're all maneuvers that everybody can do. Um, I mean, if you can do a forward roll, if you can do three forward rolls, you could you can do an FAI maneuver. So, mm -hmm. and to sort of you know kind of reaffirm that, I mean, so people are understanding it. They don't need to go out and purchase a Genesis or a Quest or whatever to do this. I mean, like it's they can use their normal 3D model and just set it up accordingly, right? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. So, at what point? Would you say to yourself, like, maybe I should step into the fused type F3C, FAI, whatever? Uh, and what benefits do you gain by doing that? Um, so uh, I guess there's probably two, two answers to that. One, when it comes to the fuselage, is um, just presentation. Um, Curtis Youngblood's multi time world champion, been on the podium 800 million times, so have other people. And they fly pot and boom. Um, the fuselage helps make things look pretty. Um, so that, that's kind of my thing. If you, if you put a fuselage on it, it's always just going to look a little prettier, right? Um, when it comes to the brand or the machine itself, um, that a lot comes down to how often you're flying. Hmm. Um, if I were to go out and buy, uh, uh, Parrot, 700 size helicopter it could fly f3c fine uh would it be able to fly 365 days a year five flights a day compared to like a quest or a, or a high-end model i don't know um but those higher-end models the herobos the quests the the dedicated f3c helicopters have bearings and tolerances that are very geared towards longevity okay so design more or less really plays in yes and they're specifically designed in areas for that like i i've t i think i mentioned to you guys before that if i were to try to 3d my quest it would just blow up 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you told me you wanted to go out and TikTok, you know, sports fly something, uh, you don't go buy a Quest. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is built to hover so that, like, the dampeners are huge, so the, the dampeners last a long time and, and things like that while you're hovering and while you're doing things in a hover. But then the ball links and the control rods are really thin to be lightweight. So, but you don't need a real thick control rod for F3C if you're hovering. Right. Um, so the, the highlights of the model are different. Right. I just wanted people to understand that, you know, you don't, you can fly your everyday machine and, and do, you know, the advanced and expert and whatever. I mean, I suppose if you started doing worlds or whatever, then that's a whole different ball game at that point. But, um, but yeah, just so they understand, you know, you don't, you don't have to have, you don't have to have Gucci's Henesis. You can do this, you know, with a normal machine and, uh, and get out there and compete. Have fun, you know? You don't, but then you're not Gucci. You're not Gucci. <laughs> well, no one can be Gucci, though. That's for sure. I, There's but only that's, one Gucci. That, that's the other thing, too. It's like, you know, you, you know, it's what you plan for. If you just want to fly, you know, a year's worth of competitions and that's what you want to do, then is it worth going that big in a, in a fuselage? Probably not. Right. But if you have aspirations to keep pushing for years to come, then maybe that would be something you could think of. Do you have to start right. there? No. I mean, I started with a Kraken. I just changed yep. some dampeners. And literally, the biggest thing was level my swash plate and tone down my damn 3D rates. Right. Just that alone, you'd be surprised and get yep. comfortable with the heli being what it feels like on top in your face. Right. So, I mean, you know? basically mm-hmm. stating you, you didn't start out Gucci either. You know what I mean? So, no. you know, but I mean, obviously, if you have the money to burn, then, you know, do you, boo. But I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to, to reach out to those folks who are like, yeah, but you got to buy a specific machine. No, you don't. You know, get out yeah. there and uh-huh. tune your model to, uh, you know, to do it. And there's plenty of people who will help, you know, and uh, yeah. Isn't there, Nick, isn't there one or probably a couple, but some of the uh, F3C special, you know, airframes that are not even bolt, the frames are not bolted together, they're glued? Yeah. Yeah, the, the Pro Drone, it's just all glued together. <laughs> Man. So, you know, I think in the end, it's like that's exactly what you're saying, Kevin, which is you don't need to start there. Yeah. You know? Yep. Because I, I looked at it, you know, it's how, you know, you know, you say, well, the Genesis is $1,600. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, look at some of the other F3C, you know, body. Oh, of course. At least. Of course. You know? But but still, I mean, you, you're still in a league of your own, you know, owning that machine. But, you know, like, what is it? You know, Monty, here he does, you know, he um, holds these events. And, and for the longest time, he was flying, um, what was it, like a, a super stretched E5 from, you know, Synergy. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So mm-hmm. it 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 doesn't have to be, you know, uh, a fuselage model is what I'm getting at. You know, you can do yeah. it with whatever you want. If you want to go buy a Diablo, do it. If you want to buy a Kraken, do it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, just wrong what you brung, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. and just see if you like it. You know, do it. And uh, and if you don't, uh, then there's always F3N, isn't there, Kyle? funny you bring that up kevin there always is f3n maybe we should talk about it (laughs) let's have a chat uh (laughs) f3n 
<laughs> F3N is uh, precision-based uh, aerobatics. So, you know, F3C consists of hovering and, you know, some big loops and rolls and, you know, a lot more elaborate stuff like that. But the F3N side of it is more of a 3D-based flight. And you have three flights that you have to complete, which is a set maneuver flight, a freestyle flight, and a music flight. But for the set maneuver flight, you choose seven maneuvers from a list of 40, I believe it is. And they range from, you know, really easy maneuvers to really difficult maneuvers. So, Nick, how would you go about choosing the maneuvers uh, for your own set maneuver flight? Uh, Well, the K factor is a multiplier. So uh, the best thing that you can do is just choose the highest K factor that you're comfortable doing. think of it you know i guess the best example is you know if, if you can get a 10 on what you probably if you can get a uh, just to make the math easy if you can get a 10 on a 5k maneuver um versus well i think actually i think they only go to like i forget what the k factors are, i think 11 or something like that um or you could get a an 8 on a k10 um you know, you would still choose the the higher K, even though your score is lower because the multiplier is. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. So you choose your maneuvers based around the K factor and just getting, even if you don't do it as well as you can do a lower K factor maneuver, you want to pick that one because it'll give you a higher score. Yeah. And, and personal enjoyment too. If you just don't like it, don't do it. Um, right. Right. Sure. I think that's kind of, um, there's a lot of maneuvers on that list. So if there's one you don't, I've, I know for a fact there was one one year that I was just like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, and so there's so many in the different categories. You can choose ones that fit right. what you want to do. Right. I was looking through the list. There's some stuff as simple as uh, you know a four point roll, and then there's one called a rolling circle tail reversal, and it's like, uh, man, these names alone just get me confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the names are unique. Um, <laughs> I think the, the the FAI is based in Switzerland, but it's a European thing, and sometimes their translations are unique. That's part of the fun, though. The the entertainment factor comes in when you read the rules. <laughs> Keeps it fresh and interesting, I suppose. But yeah, uh, one of the rules I found interesting is that you can choose different maneuvers for each round. Um, that to me feels like it'd be confusing just for practice because. You probably want to pick your seven and fly those every day. If you're trying to pick, you know, seven new ones for Saturday versus Friday, you know, you're probably going to throw yourself uh, into a loop, I would think, right? Uh, yeah, unless you just start having a really bad brain fart and can't get through one of them. Yeah, I guess, um, fair enough. Yeah, there, and there is times sometimes, too, when you get to a flying site and you're doing this big rolling globe or whatever they call it, uh, and you get to this flying site. It's a really, really small flying site, and so right, you just don't want to do it there, so sometimes you change. I could see it depending on when, too, because I used to dread some of the big rolling figure eight stuff we had to do for XFC on the really windy days. That would drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. We couldn't change maneuvers at XFC, though. We were always stuck doing the same. Yeah, we were stuck, but I sure wish that there were some days I could do a funnel instead of a loop or something, you know. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it looks like you guys are limited to an eight-minute uh, flight time for the seven maneuvers flight. Is that ever a concern? Do you even know what you fly to? or? Um. Yeah, I don't know, but for some strange reason... Oh, no, that was a globe. 
uh, Heli Masters one year, I flew over the time limit. I think after in, you you make it through everything quick. Yeah, yeah, because it's you know you're probably only thirty seconds max per maneuver or something. I would think. Yeah, yeah. the The thing with that one is um, is kind of like the F three C. It's your start and your stop time. So um, if you go up and you take off and you hover um, for a while, I don't know if I can't really remember if the time starts from your first maneuver or when you take off the ground. Mm. But, uh, so there's no like start and complete, obviously. So there is for set maneuvers. It's the exact same as F3C. Your okay. caller says begin now. You can go up there and do the crappiest pyro TikTok you want. They shouldn't judge you on it until you call begin. <laughs> okay. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't go up there and like blade fart in front of them, but uh, <laughs> I'd scare the judges. I don't think that's a good thing. But if say you need to test your helicopter or you know, you like to roll a couple. I mean, you're more than welcome to do that as long as you're within the time limit. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So moving on from set maneuvers, next up we would have the freestyle flight. And this is uh, a freestyle flight with no music whatsoever. Uh, and you just go out there and fly for three to four minutes uh, doing technical-based aerobatic 3D maneuvers. Um, what do you go for, Nick, when you're creating a freestyle flight? Like, what's uh, what are you trying to emphasize on? Um, so it, it's actually all in the criteria. Um, there is a, a list of criteria that they tell you and kind of some things are symmetry, um, positioning, um, that kind of goes back to the F3C thing. If you do a big loop right in front of your face, it looks awkward than doing it outside, um, flow. So if you go into a hurricane and you come out of a hurricane and you're into something else, um, kind of like lead those in. Um, my memory sucks, and if I don't have music, I can't ever keep track of where I'm at. So I usually just have notes in my phone, and I have my caller read off what I want to do next. And if the great thing is, the judges don't have that. So if you screw up, they don't know. <laughs> they have no idea. That works, huh? <laughs> um, the biggest thing with that one is you do want to hit all the, the flight envelopes. So if your helicopter can auto you need auto if your helicopter can fly backwards forwards and sideways you got to hit all those orientations hmm. i've seen a lot of pilots also take the set maneuvers and change them a little bit like i don't know if it's like a rolling vertical figure eight maybe they'll do a pirouetting vertical figure eight does that mm -hmm. help your score at all uh yeah i i think that you're definitely rewarded for that because the judges recognize what you're doing um, I can't promise that's in the criteria. Um, mm. I'd have to reread it again. Before, I don't want to claim something that I, I don't know is in there. Um, but it definitely, from a mindset, yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's something that you haven't seen before. So if you have not seen a... I, well, really, that's kind of invalid these years, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen somebody do a rolling vertical figure eight, um, <laughs> go out and do it. A, a horse sideways rolling would take forever, but if you did it, you, you'd get a good score for that. You get some more points that way. All right. Well, good to know. Yeah. Originality helps. <laughs> right. Yeah, originality. I, th I think we when we uh, judge the F3N side of things at Mid-Atlantic, we look for creativity, too. So if you're creative with your maneuvers, I think that might play a little bit into that, Kyle. Right, right. And the thing that I'm kind of really liking about F3N is that there are no bonus points 
for flying low and fast and doing all that smack stuff. In fact, it seems like you tend to lose points because that would fall under like a danger criteria that they, they judge you against. Yeah, safety. I think it's they call it safety. And mm-hmm. I think for that one, what we looked for, and just this is just from Monty, you know, kind of ran us through like what to look for is like, you know, there's no criteria that, you know, you can't fly too low. Mm-hmm. But if you see that heli, you know, you could see the whoops where they're coming right in front of the, let's say, the judges. And that heli just, you could see that he saved it from going into the judges. That's a safety thing. And not necessarily right. safety of the crowd, but safety of the flight. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we took away from that, you know, and you could, you know, you could hear the, you could see by now when somebody has a whoops. Yeah, you probably flight, pick up you know? on it pretty easy. So when you mm-hmm. say creativity, I mean, does that include like, you know, making the judges soil themselves? I mean, like, is that part of that or? Well, it's creative in that way, but then it takes you away from safety of flight. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's, it's a wash. Hmm. You know? Dang it. Mm. I, I think you want you want the judges to say wow. <laughs> yeah. I think they say wow. Well, they just way. might need yeah. to clean. <laughs> they just need to clean their underwear afterwards. That's all. Yeah, I think the best thing is if the judge is sitting there and thinking that was impressive, they will they will score you well. Mm. Mm. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. when it comes to the height thing i think probably the best way to put this is if if you can do 10 tiktoks and if you're 10 feet up high you don't see any variation that's really good but if you're doing your tiktoks two feet off the ground and three of your tiktoks were three inches off the ground and three of them were three feet off the ground that's going to be highly unimpressive even though you were lower right yeah, yeah. All right, that makes sense. Makes sense. And then the time, you know, you obviously, the time, you know, it says three to four minutes. You could actually get dinged big time if you go over that four minutes. Three to four is a little bit. Over four is a lot. Below three could be also bad, you know? Yes. And that actually, that is a really good point. So, I landed my auto five seconds over four minutes one time at the world championships and they deducted 5%. Yeah, whoa. Mm. So that was a bummer. Mm. <laughs> wow. But, they take the time pretty seriously then. Yeah, they take the time seriously. I think it's, uh, I'm going to make a really harsh statement here. I think it's something that's easy to quantify because it's mm-hmm. written there. So, mm. so if you don't follow that, they kind of look at you like, well, you know what? We gave you a minute to do this. If you can't get your landing within a minute, you're, you missed, you a, big, you missed a big criteria there. Mm. Right. I can see that. I can see that. Is, do you ever, like when you're doing the freestyle flight and you say you're having like the, the flight of your life, would you push it all the way to four? But if you're having a flight where you're like kind of just hanging on by a thread, where you're just waiting for three minutes to come along? Um, I don't think I've ever had the flight of my life. I usually pretty much <laughs> I always suck. Um, no, yeah. If if you're really pushing it, obviously, and you're doing well, I would end on a strong note. Right. Um. So there should be no deduction between three and four minutes. The biggest in my mind, I always think of: Did I hit all the criteria? So if I'm at three minutes, 
and I'm like, okay, I'm bored. I don't know what to do next. Should I just land? I think, okay, did I do a sideways loop? Did I do a funnel? Did I do this horizontal thing? I try to think of the criteria that I might have missed. Right. Um, now, if you're coming up on four minutes and you're like, oh, crap, I got to do something, well, get it down. Yeah. <laughs> Lesson learned on that one. <laughs> And then uh, the final flight of F3N is going to be your music flight, which it looks like the criteria for the music flight is very similar to the freestyle flight, except now you get to throw in music and add another level of creativity and another level of scoring, which would be choreography. Right? Yep. Yep. The music flight is a lot of fun because that's your opportunity to put some personality in it and kind of get the judges toes tapping. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy it. I, I abs- that's my absolute. I like the favorite the set maneuvers. That's kind of my favorite round, just because of my background or nature of flying. But the music is by far the most fun round. I I always look forward to that one the most. Right, right. And your, your uh, choice of music depends on <laughs> your, the country you're in, right? Yes, it does. So Fair. that that has yeah. always been kind of the one thing is that you do try to to fly to your to your audience. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like the urge of battle of the brands um, versus say you know an F3N thing. Your your routines and your music would be two totally different audiences or two totally different things. Mm-hmm. Um, the the music flight at at um, F3N you would want is choreographed and try to hit every little beat and try to fly to music that's that's relatable to the judges um so if you know that all the judges really like elvis you better play elvis Mm -hmm. um and that's i guess i look at that as a challenge in itself is how do you connect with the people watching you or how do you connect with the people judging you Mm -hmm. um and usually you can do that pretty easy by you know, it's a small hobby, and you can go talk to the judges. You can go interact with them. You go meet them and be friends with them. That's the great thing about competition and the hobbies. You can go do that stuff. So, right, mm-hmm. right. And do they do they look for like different music uh, styles as well during the flight? Like, if you want to start slow and ramp up, ramp up, and end on like a huge note, or they want to see consistency? Like, like how similar is that to something like XFC? Um, I always look at it very similar um my success at xfc and the 3d masters and the different other music competitions has been a lot better than at the f3c or f3n world championships so i really can't tell you what exactly wins because i've never won the f3n world championships but my goal with the music flight is to tell a story so i want to start somewhere and i want to end somewhere Hmm. um I, i think that if you do that you and if it's choreographed, I think that you will just naturally score well. That makes sense. Keep the crowd and the judges like into the flight and flying to the music, not with it. Yes. If you're having fun, most likely the people watching you will probably have fun too. And there's lots of ways to do that. I mean, it, it doesn't, even if you take age into account, you know, if, if a 20 year old hears certain songs, next to an 80 year old they both can relate to that you know i mean there there's music and there's things out there that everybody of any age you know it's just fun right Um, so finding that is is hard sometimes because a lot of it's been used before or things like that but that's that's kind of what you want to appeal to gotcha 
Yeah, gotcha. That's fascinating. Yeah. I do have, I guess, a note on the different. Um, isn't doesn't each like the music freestyle, freestyle, and set maneuvers? The score, the overall score, is weighted differently between those th- three rounds, right, Nick? So does um, the set maneuvers get you more points, right? In the end, yes, because in the preliminaries, you do two set maneuver flights and only one freestyle and one music. Okay. Um, so you're waiting. It, technically, if you won two set maneuver rounds and won a freestyle flight, you wouldn't even have to fly the music to get to the finals and still be first going into the finals. Okay. Um, Strategery. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you if you want to place well in the preliminaries, which does matter because that score carries over, um, you would really tend to focus on the same maneuvers. But then in the finals, you want to focus on getting everything. Yeah. Well, I I hope so. Since you're in the finals, it's not like you're <laughs> you know barely made it, right? You've probably been there before or scored well in the past with many competition under your belt, right? Yeah, yeah. Or I mean, everybody has to make the finals for the first time. So mm-hmm. I mean, everybody out there has. There has been some guys. Kyle Dahl um, was one who really just jumped into it. He didn't really work up the ladder. I think his first major competitions, he was on the podium mm-hmm. um, or or damn near close, um, which was incredible. No, no one else did that. Um, well. But. Yeah, most people like I got dead last at every competition I flew in for the first few years. So, I mean, everybody gotta, has to. Yeah, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, say last place <laughs> is a place, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. I the, the actually every competition, the XFC, the 3D Masters, the U.S. Nationals, I finished last at every single one. Of them. <laughs> so. Well, all I could say about the music freestyle when I judged it is Scott Graham got full points because he played Gucci flip-flops. You know? I mean, it was just a dead giveaway. Uh-huh. But I think, you know, that was the one thing, you know, that I was kind of talking with Scott before the Mid-Atlantic was, like, you know, he was worried about the set maneuvers, you know, that, you know, Ting might do better than him. I'm like, yeah, but I, I without a doubt, I, I feel pretty comfortable that you will do well on the music because he did put he was the only one to actually put together a music clip that sort of speak went through different things and he was planning he planned it out for lack of better words. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so I think you're gonna score well because of that. You know, so it's not like you know, if you don't do good set maneuvers everything is lost you know it doesn't work that way there is a little bit of you know you're able to showcase what your strengths are in the f3n competition you know yeah i think a lot of that comes to is what are you looking at when you're competing um Mm -hmm. competition is not only just it's not winning is not really the goal winning happens naturally if everything else works out um, so if you go to a competition with the idea just to win, you probably won't win. But if you go there with, I always set personal goals. So if in a set maneuvers flight, I want to try to show something, um, it's usually more that. And usually if you achieve your personal goals, you end up achieving your end goal. I guess if that kind of makes sense. Sure. Yep. No, it does. 
Yeah, That's so why. If wor- yeah, if you worry about what the other guys are doing and you worry about, you know, which specific flight, try to choose a goal for that category that you're suffering in or that you are worried about and try to achieve that goal. Because then if you achieve that, then the other stuff will come naturally. Yeah. Well, I was having this thing where, you know, I was talking to some of the folks and I was like, well, I'm going to start in advance. And they're like, you sure you don't want to start in sportsman? I'm like, no, I think advance is, that's what I've been working on. And that's the maneuvers I'm going to work on. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, you know, what if you don't do good? And I'm like, I still have my goal is to do those maneuvers, right? And do them the best I can for just having started. You know, he's like, well, then you can't go back down to sportsman and compete there. And I'm like, that, you don't get the point. It's not about winning as much as it is me going through and setting myself the goals to complete, you know, by the end of the year. So it was a little bit of like, I don't think it matters what it is. It's just set your goals and go for it. Mm-hmm. Well, so pretty cool and, and and one thing too and, and not not to discourage anyone from flying the ama classes um if your goal is to fly f3c um if you just really enjoy like flying smooth or or doing something um but you have no intentions of flying in the f3c class then choose one of the ama classes that you look at the maneuvers and say i enjoy these maneuvers i'm going to do this class um if you're in, if your goal is to fly F3C, you just start in F3C. Even if you have to zero three rounds or three maneuvers, who cares? <laughs> start start there because if your end goal is F3C, you want to be in that mentality. Yeah. Um, well, I I call that the plan, right? For me, it was simple. I, you know, I haven't I competed in uh, control line back when I was a kid. So I'm like, listen, I'm gonna start with advance. You know, do as best as I can and then move up into F3C the next year or in two years or whatever it's going to take me. But to me, it's just it's all about creating the plan and sticking to it, you know, because I'm not just going to show up. That's not in my nature to show up and say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll compete. I want to prep. You know, I want to be able to go through the maneuvers. And even if they're not perfect, I'm, I should be able to do some of them, you know, so is is there like you know do you think they'll ever maybe get rid of the ma classes and just do f3c what do you think about that Uh, that is a good question um i don't know um and i obviously i have voiced my opinion to the people that are running the united states competition scenes Mm -hmm. In some of the other countries, they do not have that. Um, it is you just fly FAI, and it's known as FAI. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not comfortable doing two schedules, you just fly one, which is like the Masters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be better. And the reason why is because I think everybody is included then. Yep. Um, everybody's included. Everybody is on the same score sheet. And everybody is is flying the same. Everybody can relate to each other. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I do understand that sometimes the guy flying in sportsman might not be able to do one of the aerobatic maneuvers, say like an inverted section or a an inverted hovering portion of some of the maneuvers. That would then limit them. Um, 
so it's it's really a catch twenty two, and I have no idea what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I will say is in Japan, they do not have like a lower class. It's you just fly F three C, and they have over four hundred active F three C competitors. And I I know you probably don't believe me, but they literally have over four hundred people who on a weekly basis attend F three C events. That's crazy. So, well, yeah, when I used to go over there um, frequently for Fataba, I would attend some of the local stuff. And they actually had regional championships to even be able to compete for your state championship. And then your state championship led to how you got to the nationals. That's um, crazy. And, and the nationals had 40 guys who all qualified just to get to their nationals. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it it so- worked in F3N. You know, when we did the F3N and been Atlantic, it was, everybody was one group, right? So somebody like, you know, one of the pilots, you know, they're like, I, I can't do but three or four maneuvers. And like, just do them, you know, like just do them. And after that, just wing it, <laughs> you know, just keep moving, you know. And they had a blast, you know. So I don't think that's really unreasonable to say just one class across the board. Maybe then they'll be on the same score sheet. Maybe then you just differentiate between the skills of people within that score sheet. So I might be number 28 on the overall score, but, you know, I'm number one in sportsman class, for example, you know? So I think that would, because that would make people work towards those same maneuvers, which is the FAI, you know, F3C maneuvers. Yes, and you're relating to each other. I think that might bring more involvement. Um, But I will say this, not to drag this out any further. So I, I enjoy autocross a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And so it, that's kind of an outside the heli hobby, another hobby, but they break it down between they have a tax time. It's like a K factor. You say how much power your car has, what upgrades you've done, and you race in your class and your class is broken up based off the car's weight, the car, the yada, yada, yada. And then they also give you a raw time. And I do understand there is two different mentalities. So I don't know that you and I here are saying we have this mentality. I think there are people out there that do actually enjoy the class breakdown. So they can say, I won my class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where I don't, I, my car doesn't fit in the highest class, but I really don't care. If I won the class, okay, whatever. I want to see what my raw time was against <laughs> the guy with the freaking Miata, you know. It's the fastest um, who gets, gets the girls, Nick. It's the fastest. <laughs> No. But I, I think that's just a it's just a personality thing. So if you get rid of one, you're going to hurt some people's feelings. If you keep it, then maybe you're hurting involvement. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right on. All right. I think, so, so. I think the next thing is F3N for me. I'm going to get involved. Simple stuff. Mm-hmm. Doing both helps. F3C helps your F3N, and F3N helps your F3C. I can see that. I know F3C hovering has helped my just normal flying. I'm more comfortable in orientations and flips and rolls and everything else. So, mm-hmm. yeah, More time sure. to think about it. <laughs> yeah. So with these competitions, um, what, what kind of requirements are we looking at? I mean, are we, you know, like with registering or classes, you know, what's, what's involved? Um, requirements, I just say you have a helicopter and, um, not be, you know, I mean, just 
be a, a safe pilot if if you can't actually hover yet i wouldn't really suggest doing it um but yeah register get online at ama and register for the nationals um facebook there's an f3c flyers group so tim DePiri and nob maraki they have events on the east coast i don't know of any f3c contests mid mid country and on the west coast um but there's a lot on a couple on the east coast um i think classes we kind of talked about that you know you choose what class you want to fly and sign up for it um having a caller helps if you have a friend that you practice with at home bring them along um helicopter wise um there are some weight regulations but um it's really heavy your helicopter isn't going to be that heavy unless you're flying like an 800 on 28s (laughs) Um, uh, battery voltage you are limited to 12s so um if you do have like your uh goblin speed on 16s uh you're gonna have to put a 12s in it okay uh, but i will say this if you were at a local contest not at a nationals trying out for a world team knowing the u.s group they ain't gonna care just show up and fly it. if you've got like a 14 s 800 size helicopter don't worry about it just show up and fly tell everybody and everybody's going okay cool come fly this right um there are some goofy rules that are just kind of funny if you actually read it like no metal blades and stuff like that um, for us, that's a given, but that was for, I think, years ago that they never took out. So uh, as you're reading along some of those, you can just kind of laugh along. Right, right. Hmm. When you're at the Worlds, do they actually look at your model during registration to make sure that you're following like the weight and everything? Yes, and actually, I don't know why, but I find that kind of fun. Um, <laughs> when they like measure your helicopter and weigh it. And- what? No. Yeah, they check. They check it. So you're not allowed to have uh, on the bodies. You're not supposed to have a big enough fin. So you have to calculate the swept area of the rotor disc and how big the fin is versus the rotor head. Uh, um, no need. But it's kind of fun. Yeah. Wow. So it's kind of like, like a physical for your helicopter, except for I was trying to say <laughs> it's like going to the doctor's office. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And they check your battery voltage. They check all that stuff. So your um, battery voltage with F3N here in the States, um, is it uh, limited to 12S or does that not matter with F3N also? Um, I actually don't know. Um, I don't, I think it's 12S. Like I think, because if the AMA classes follow the FAI rules for that. So I believe it is 12S. Mm. And I understand the reason why the FAI does that is because 50 volts DC, anything above that, you're starting to get into uh, the danger zone. <laughs> so, I see. Um, I think 50 volts DC, they've decided is, okay, you, you kind of get a blister on your hand, but you're not going to completely mm. electrocute yourself. Um, but if you're in the United States and you have a 14S 3D helicopter, show up, tell them. If anybody has a problem with it, then... Go to somebody else and ask somebody else. <laughs> they won't have a problem. Right. <laughs> um, you'll get in somewhere. <laughs> what? You'll you'll get in somewhere. Yeah, I, it's yeah. Okay. If for some reason they say no, go to the next contest. They'll say yes, nice. um, but they won't. Okay. So in scoring, tell us about scoring with uh, the maneuvers. Um, something about was it a given score of zero to twenty? 
Um, and of course, we have uh, point degradation and, you know, what was the K factor. So let's break that down. So, like ice skating or gymnastics or anything, it is subjective. Um, so you, you do have to prepare yourself. Um, usually if you think you did something good, you might not get the score you thought, or sometimes you do something bad, but the judge saw it differently. So, um, you never know. Um, and that is part of it. So just kind of have to prepare yourself for it. But, um, in set maneuvers, they're looking at, you know, like a, a defect would be if you bail, um, or I guess that, that kind of fits into severity as well. Um, if you don't finish the maneuver, you are probably going to get a zero. Um, if you get through it, but it's like, oh, they had to stop and restart, um, but you end up finishing it, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get scored for what you do. So you'll get a score. Um, when it starts to get real nitpicky is the shape. Was it round? Was your entry and exit the same? Was your pacing the same? So these maneuvers are constant speed. So with a helicopter, that's hard if you're doing a loop, but, you know, your goal is to make the loop the exact same speed, round, and start and stop at the same angle, or uh, same height. Um, positioning, you know, some of the maneuvers are supposed to be centered and symmetrical. Some of them are not. Um, you just have to re read the maneuver. Um, size of the maneuvers are... Uh, like I said, that's kind of where you can have fun. Um, if I'm doing a looping maneuver, I'm going to do it further out. If I'm doing a rolling maneuver, I'm going to do it slightly higher. Um, it's all about what the judges see and what they don't see. Obviously, if you do it backwards, um, you should not expect a score. But, um, you know, play around with it and have somebody else watch and say, hey, does it look better? I, I tend to do that. I tend to have somebody watch and I'll say, does this maneuver look better here or does it look better here? Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't matter if they're a modeler or not. If you give them the criteria, um, I've got a real good friend here in town that never flown a helicopter in his life. Uh, we do autocross together, but I ha I've had him come out to the house and I say, hey, you know, can you just judge this thing? It should go down a straight line. And they can tell you. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, so I have a quick question. Um, uh, when you pick certain maneuvers, uh, and, and it's let's just keep it simple and say the maneuver is displayed as being like clockwise, but yet you're stronger doing it counterclockwise. Can you do that, or are they expecting it to be how it's displayed in? the guidelines of the K factor or whatever. If, if they tell you it needs to be clockwise, it has to be clockwise. Okay. All right. Um, so for example, in a lot of the F3C stuff, it says that the two pirouettes have to be in opposite directions. So that doesn't matter which one you do first, but if say you do the, say you're like, well, I don't like to pirouette left. You have to do it left yeah. or you have to do it both directions with F3N. Um, sometimes the maneuvers don't work. So if they say you have to do a quarter pirouette to tail down, you know, even if you're doing it counterclockwise or clockwise, that defines which way you're going to pirouette, right? Because mm -hmm. if, you're, if, if you're going clockwise on the ground and it says go tail down from forward, that's left rudder. Right. 
Um, I'm sorry, right rudder. That's <laughs> all right. Yeah. It, it gets confusing, but yeah. Um, you mean so you do have to do it that way? Okay. So let's jump into how the freestyle and the music flights are judged. Uh, one of the criteria we discussed was difficulty, and it's you know like how difficult are the maneuvers the pilot is doing. You know, it's pretty plain and simple. You know, are they? I guess what they probably want to look for is that you're not doing too many rolling maneuvers versus too many pirouetting versus flipping, you know, stuff like that. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you want a, a good balance. So, um, also difficulty is complexity of, of that. So if obviously that is a little bit subjective, but, um, it is more difficult to do a maneuver in multiple directions than it is one. Mm-hmm. So, um, if say you do a funnel one direction and then you don't do it the other direction, you actually could get a higher score if you do it both ways. And then right. if you do a nose down and tail down and upright, and, and obviously you can snowball into a, you can't just do a whole flight of funnels in all the different orientations, <laughs> but um, <laughs> you, you should try to show amazing. that <laughs> you could do that. You could probably fill up four minutes of funnels. Good. <laughs> By the end of that flight, that poor helicopter would be dizzier and all get out. Right. Um, you have to unwind it when you're done. Uh, but the, I think that just showing that kind of with some certain things, you're not a one-trick pony in terms of direction mm-hmm. um, helps. They probably pick up on that a lot with uh, anything pirouetting. Like if they probably see you doing left pirouetting funnels and loops and flips the entire time, they're probably going to wonder, you know, does that stick go to the right side as well? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I'm a yes. five-trick pony. I don't know about you guys, but... Six. six. <laughs> like I, worked, six? I worked it up to six, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, I can way more than six directions. So um, I think too another thing is um you know difficulty is how you're flying um kind of where you're putting things um so if you're putting things uh very controlled in a box um that that helps mm. Makes sense. Um, if if you're off doing a rolling circle uh you know, off in Ohio when we're at Indiana at the Nats versus in front of you and presented. Mm-hmm. Um, or even if it's like egg-shaped or oblong or... Right, that probably matters as well, right? Yeah, it is. Um, and because it is more difficult to make it round than it is egg-shaped. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the next criteria would be uh, harmony. And what they're looking for there is to see that the maneuver you're completing flows into the next one. So if you're doing something like uh, a rolling circle, and as you come across center, you stop and hover, and you have to think about where you're going next, and you just jump off in some random direction, you're probably not going to score super well in the harmony. That's being creative, uh, Kevin. Is that creative? That's creativity. <laughs> yeah. That's artistic flow, right, Kevin? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any tips for... You know, working on harmony, Nick, because I see a lot of guys that do a maneuver and you can tell they stop and they're thinking, okay, what's next? No, I think, I mean, I think that was pretty self-explanatory. You just hit it on the nail on the head there. Um, if you come out of something, you got to hover to go into your next one. Um, I would try to string the maneuver. I think the best, maybe the one good way to explain it is string your maneuvers together. Right. 
That's a good way to put it. Don't stop in between, because then you get in trouble. Yeah. Transition. <laughs> yeah. Unless you were trying to do... Now, I will say this. So, Jamie used to do this, and it was really cool. Um, he would do something, and he would end it by just popping it into a hover and center, and then diving into the next one. Mm. Um, so, I guess... It, it was harmonized. It was it was it was cool looking. It was consistently paused. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it it worked. It flowed. Right. But, um. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring that up. There, I always remembered his music. He never had. I don't. This is not talking bad about him. But he never had like smooth music transitions. He would just have a song and it would fade out to silence for about a second, and then the next song would fade in randomly. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. The, yeah. And I have to say, I used to call it stop and go. Stop and go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it looked, yeah, it was one of those things where that is so subjective, it's not even funny, because if you did it with certain music and a certain energy, it would look like, like pure crap. But right. The way he did it, it did look, it, it flowed, so it was yeah. fine. Yeah, I can't talk any crap because he's won more stuff than I can count at this point, and I certainly have not. So it must have worked to some extent. Jamie is a perfect example of when you're in the judge's chair, what it looks like to the judge versus the guy standing in back in the crowd. 100%. Having judged him when he was at his highest level, not competing a couple of years, it, is, it was very hard. You know, he knew how to present things very well. Yeah, yeah, he had a good uh, envelope of maneuvers to choose from, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moving right along, we have creativity. We've pretty much touched on this throughout this episode quite a bit, but uh, just trying to come up with new maneuvers, new combination maneuvers, uh, definitely helps your score. If they see you just doing the same stuff that the guy before was doing, you're not going to get scored too well. Or if it's the same maneuvers that everyone's been doing for the last 12 years, again, not going to get scored too well. Um, I don't know. Just the way I would look at this is it's done. You're not, you know, trying to reinvent the wheel here. But if you were to take a rolling circle and, I don't know, every quarter you go from rolling right to rolling left or, you know, instead of rolling every quarter, you switch to pirouetting every quarter. I don't know. Just something to make it a little different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think creativity score is one where you don't really get docked. You kind of work up from zero. Right. Oh, that's a good word to put it. Where harmony and you know your your difficulty and stuff, you're you're kind of docked as you miss criteria. Where cre- creativity, you kind of build up. Huh. Yeah, that's true. I never thought of it that way. So I have a question. Uh, this is a good good thing um, to the both of you, actually, Nick and Kyle. When you guys are coming up with new maneuvers or new transitions, even um, is it? accidental like you just kind of flying you're like oh shit that was kind of cool or Mm -hmm. is it something that you guys you know it's um something you've thought about trying um or is it inspired by something you saw like take us through that like how do you guys come up with different things to keep things fresh i'll go after you nick go for it um well i will say something that probably I do not think anything is ever new. So if someone claims they invented it, that they probably didn't. Um, you never know who is in your who is in their backyard out flying doing something long before a pro pilot does it. I think that usually the maneuver becomes notable when a top pilot does it in a competition or a large demo. 
Sure. Um, how you come up with that stuff is, in my mind, I, I try to come up with things that look wacky and then make them controlled. Um, so I guess that is kind of back to your accidental thing. Okay. Um, I guess a lot, in my mind, a lot of times I do go back and I watch a lot of the old videos from like the early 2000s of Curtis and, and Alan and those guys. And sometimes they will do things that were technically old, but you can put a little bit of a new spin on them with today's helicopters and technology. Okay. Um, especially with yeah, not so much Curtis, more with like Jason Krause and Alan. You can tell there were things they were trying that didn't have the power to get through. Uh-huh. Um, Curtis was really good with engines. He had a lot of freaking power. So I think his 60 size made more than our 105 do now. <laughs> but um, So some of that is rejuvenating or seeing... Yeah, inspired, sure. Yeah. Um, or taking stuff that maybe those guys didn't have the power to get through and combining them. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I, I think too how you present it. You know, if, yeah. if you if you can come up with presenting something more kind of you know in your face always works when it comes to three D. So if you see somebody at a local fun fly doing something way up high, and you go, man, if I did that a little bit lower, it would look really cool. <laughs> you right, do right. it. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah, I guess everything that I come up with is just usually a mistake of some sort. Uh, a happy mistake, okay. as I would call it. Yeah, yeah. Or just, or like Nick said, you know, seeing someone else doing something and putting your own twist on it or doing it in a different direction. Yeah. And then also knowing your own strengths and weaknesses. I've never really been a particular uh, technical pilot, so I would probably not go out and reinvent some pirouetting something or other. But I tend to like the dramatic flying style and the low and the hard stops and stuff. So I always focused on transitions in and out of stuff like that. And just trying to keep it fast and low and getting the heart rate up a little bit. Nice. Yep. That's very cool. I'm, I can't be the only person that's ever thought like, how do you guys come up with this stuff? And, uh, that's, uh, that's awesome. I always wondered if part of it was accidental where you just kind of like stumbled on it. Like, Oh, geez, that looked kind of cool. And then you, you clean it up as Nick was saying, you know, you kind of then work it out and you massage it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Rub the shoulders a little bit. Yeah. Listen, good things happen when you rub the shoulders the right way. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Then you, then you have a friend, you know, really good friend. Right. And you've been flying for, I don't know, 11, 12 years. And you think like, man, I've come a long way in my flying. Like I, I feel good about what I'm doing. And then he says, hey, Kevin, why don't you look at this video of you from like 10 years ago? And I'm like, son of a bitch, I'm doing the same maneuvers then as I am now. <laughs> I don't know who that is, man. I'm like, what a douchebag. <laughs> still God. doing hurricanes. Yep, yep. And, yep. and the good old still, McGrady, the still, McGrady scoop. That's right. Yep. Yep. I mean, everything was in that T-Rex 600 Nitro video. I do it today. I was like, damn it. <laughs> Uh, that's all right buddy oh, we've God. all been there yeah but it's uh, fine cool <laughs> mm. next precision yeah precision mm. 
Well, precision, I would say, is kind of self-explanatory. Putting the helicopter where you want it, how you want it, the height you want, uh, the direction it's pointing, all that. Uh, I guess if it's coming in off-centered or, uh, you know, if you're doing, you know, a circle of some sort and it's bigger on the right versus the left, you're going to lose the precision points there. Is there anything more than that, Nick? Like, it's, I don't know. Is there more than just the basics with uh, precision? I mean, yeah, angle. Make sure you're flying back up Mm -hmm. and down the flight line straight. And I think one big mistake that, um, at least I always make, is I follow the ground. And the ground is never flat. Um, So if you have a helper or you have somebody watching. Now, if you're at a fun fly doing three, yeah, follow the ground. That's fun. Um, Mm -hmm. But for a competition, yeah, if you're doing like a horizontal funnel, you the ground could be bounced or, you know, bumpy. But you actually have to think of it more as like if you're drawing on a 3D program. Like if you're drawing in SolidWorks, you draw on that plane. Right. Um, you kind of draw with the helicopter on planes. Hmm. Makes sense. And then it uh, looks like the last point here is just safety presentation. Uh, I think that's another self-explanatory one. Uh, Gucci kind of touched on a little bit. Um, yep. Just, you know, don't come at yourself. Don't come at the, 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 uh, the judges. Uh, no high-energy maneuvers pointing at anyone in particular. Uh, just fly safely and controlled and, you know, where you want it to be. Yeah, nice. That's kind of cool. like, that's kind of like a, a you max out just you know, just don't do anything stupid. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it, it's almost it's yours to lose those points. You know what I mean? I will say one thing with the safety presentation, and it shouldn't really be part of it. Sometimes helicopter maintenance comes into effect on this one. Um, if your helicopter is buzzing like the tail rotor shaft is bent and you're overspeeding it and the thing buzzes for half the flight mm-hmm. um that could hurt your safety presentation score um same thing with like out of track blades or like blades fluttering because the thrust bearings are bad uh, <laughs> that i got that, a funny story with that that will hurt your your presentation score a little bit yeah <laughs> So I had uh, I had a little bit of a uh, out of track on the Genesis, mm-hmm. and I did my F three C hover maneuvers, flew everything, and then the last round I I let it dip a little bit below two meter line, <laughs> and one of the guys that was judging was like, "You got a little bit of a blade tracking issue." I'm like, "Damn it, you were not supposed to see that. <laughs> That's why I was holding a little bit higher than two meters, so you guys don't see it." <laughs> he's like well that's gonna hurt your score must be the futaba i'm like whatever <laughs> take my points away at this point haters freaking yeah. haters yeah but that, that's a good point though you know that it's not just doing stupid stuff towards the you know the judge's line or something like that it's also heli related you know Yes, I don't. So I will say this: I think that kind of crap's petty. With the blades out of track and a hover, you're obviously not hurting anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if your if your stuff's buzzing and it sounds like it's about to blow up, mm-hmm. um, you're gonna get docked. <laughs> yep, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, shall we wrap up the topic with some questions for Nick? Let's do it. Yeah. 
Alright, who's going to take it off? I'll go ahead. Uh, so, how is the the preparation or the mindset uh, different from F3N to, like, say, a 3D competition? Is it lower stress, more stress? What are we talking about here? Um, that's a good question. Um, in terms of preparation and mindset, uh, it's not different. Um, I for me, actually, that preparation and practice is actually the fun part. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the competition is fun, but leading up to it is actually for me the the fun part. Sure. Um, the difference is the more stress, less stress. It's not really stress; um, it's more nerves. With the three D stuff, like the invitational um, stuff, I get drastically more nervous because I feel like. I have to impress people differently um, with things that I am not necessarily good at. Um, like at the at Global 3D, um, it is a lot of younger, really, really good pilots. My stress level is more like, oh, is my music going to be fitting? Is this going to be fitting? Is that going to work? Did I do enough? Did I do this right? Um, where the F3N FAI is a little bit more criteria-based. So I will say this. If you ever enter a contest with the mindset that you're going to win or that you did enough to win, you're probably going to lose. <laughs> it's usually if you feel like you haven't done enough and that you're going to get blown out of the water is usually when you keep pushing yourself. And then in the end, you get a surprise. You, you do good. Um, I guess that's the best way to explain it. I, I think that I am definitely more subconsciously nervous about being judged by, say, a set of peers than by a set of judges, if that makes sense. Sure. Right. That makes sense. Yep. So it's kind of a deeper answer to probably what you were wondering. <laughs> <laughs> that's the honest truth. We like it. So yeah. which one do you prefer, 3D or F3M? Uh, either. If I have a competition to practice for, I just like it. Okay. Mm, nice. I really like the music stuff. I think that is fun. I, I, it's it's a pain in the butt sitting there mixing music because I am not a DJ. But <laughs> that was one of those fun things that was like a necessity. You had to learn how to use the mixing software and stuff. But I really like that. That's awesome. Do you run a different setup on your F3N machines compared to the machine you'd fly at like Global 3D? Nope. Not at all. Same thing. No, same thing. Um, the models are all set up the same. I do fly different conditions. Um, so I turn the head speed down just a little bit for the set maneuvers, mm -hmm. just so it's not so collectively jumpy. Right. Um, but other than that, no. That goes back to that whole thing of uh, there is no way my brain could learn how to remember what two different setups feel like. So. Right, so you never saw a need to run less pitch or less cyclic pitch or anything. You just, what you got is what you got. Nope, yeah, that's what I'm used to. The only thing I will change is, obviously, if you change density altitude, the feel of the helicopter is different. So I try to adjust the helicopter so it feels the same at home. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, where do you see F3N going in the future? Do you think it's it's going to make a comeback against the 3d competitions or assuming that we don't all die at the end of 2021 right and the world <laughs> is over 
Uh, that's a good question. Again, this one's kind of an interesting. My mindset is a little interesting on this. Um, and I'll be a little judgmental. I don't see F3N getting bigger. Mm. And the reason why is purely because of the mindset around it. Um, that it's boring and it's a version of F3C. It really isn't. Um, if you watch Kenny Coe's flight from the World Championships versus his Global 3D flight, it's very similar. Um, so I think there's a stigma there. And I don't know. I, no one person can fix that stigma. Um, uh, maybe, told, maybe marketing. You know what I mean? They, it needs to be packaged differently, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, and so do I think 3D it will overtake 3D competitions? The only reason it will is funding. Um, mm-hmm. 3D competitions require a lot of funds and usually rely on sponsors of companies to pay for stuff. Where FAI or F3N, it is a lot self-funded. Um, so, for example, I, you don't get paid to go to um, you know, world championships. That comes out of my pocket to go travel. Um, so I just set aside about $5,000 every world championship here, um, so that I'm ready to go and stuff like that. Cause there is not company sponsorship opportunities because they feel that's a bias. Mm. Um, so I think that F3N could survive because it'll just be F3N competitions where those 3d competitions rely on those sponsors to pay for the tents and all that other stuff. Right. So you don't think you don't think more cowbell is going to save F3N or make it more successful? <laughs> more no. what? Cowbell. You know, I got a fever. The only cure is more <laughs> cowbell. God. No. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be embarrassed here, and I even live out in the middle of the country, so I guess I maybe should know this. I have no idea what that means. What? <laughs> oh, I've, never, I've heard people say I, that. I'm foreign, Nick, and I know about this. I mean. <laughs> I've heard other people say that, and I just laugh and go along with it, but I actually don't know what that means. All right. Should we uh, watch a lot of TV or anything, do you? No. I don't even have TV. (laughs) I don't pay pay for cable. Ah. Man, you're like like your own little shaggy. It's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Would you believe? Okay, so I'm going to admit something on your podcast here that I don't admit. I do not have any furniture in my house. (laughs) (laughs) We just fly in your house in winter? Is that was what? that was going on? You just practice, continuously practice. No, so I, I had a couch, and I sat my ass on that couch for so long that I was unproductive. So I gave it to somebody. So, <laughs> okay, oh my sense. gosh! If I, I've, I'm a fairly self motivated person. I'm more of an entrepreneurial than a sitting in office type of person. I tried it for the last few years, but I found that if I stand and walk around the house, it's better. If I don't have TV, I'm not going to sit there and watch it. I'll go out and work on the helicopters or do something. So I just get rid of it. <laughs> so I don't, there you go. <laughs> I don't wow. have any TV. Well, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, it's a good thing, but you're just an un- uncultured swine. <laughs> I do. You walk, you walk in my house, you walk in my house, and the dog, the dog bed is in the living room, and that's it. No, it's so the dog skit. has more furniture than you. Well, because she bitches if I don't give her a bed. <laughs> I had to give the dog a couch. Yeah. No, it's a That's skit true. from Saturday Night uh, Live where yeah. it's like there was a guy with a cat, yeah, Christopher Walken, and he's like, uh, all he plays is the cowbell on a band, and he just, 
he could not stop himself the whole time. He's like, I got a fever, and the only cure is more cowbell. That's where that came from. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So it doesn't really actually have context. It was just no, more of a... No, no, no. So, in that case, no. More cowbell <laughs> will not get F3, F3N. <laughs> you gotta no, sell I your think... couch, Gooch. Yeah, well, I'm giving... I mean, heck, if you live closer, Nick, I would give you a couch. Jesus, you're making me feel bad here. No, I really don't want one. It's not that I, it's <laughs> not that I can't, can't go buy one. Yeah, he's just going to get rid of your couch. <laughs> All I yeah. can imagine is Nick like wearing flip-flops, like shorts, a straw hat, sitting by the pool, and it's like, I just can't sit down. He just paces around the pool, like coming up with ideas. New transitions for helis. Well, he's not in the pool. He's in his garage. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I have other activities outside of hel- helicopters <laughs> that I, I tend to stay for a bit. I, I carry a few different jobs. I don't just have like the one job. I have different things I do outside. So I, I tend to stay pretty focused. That's okay. awesome. Cool. At least at least you know yourself, right, to make the changes that you need to be productive, right? <laughs> yes, and that is why I'm probably chronically single. But... <laughs> <laughs> It that was going to be one of my questions, but with no couch, ain't no lady coming over there, pal. <laughs> no, just saying. Straight to the bed. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I do. I do have one of those. Oh gosh! Just probably. I won't go there, anyways. All right. So, uh, final question for you, sir, uh, before we wrap this up: uh, If you were starting over uh, with your F three N or F three C career. Uh, would you do anything differently, uh, now knowing, you know, how to do things and, you know, is there things that you would do, uh, you know, or take advantage of, um, that you've learned over the years? Um, kind of caught me off guard on that one. (laughs) No. Um, because I think failure teaches you how to be successful. Mm, Good answer. And I have failed a lot. So, uh, I think that it would have been less, I wouldn't say embarrassing, frustrating in the beginning. Um, I will be honest with you. I was a terrible builder and, and mechanic when I was younger. Stuff just shed off those helicopters left and right. Um, but at the same time, that makes me a little more aware now. So... Would I like to delete that? Yes. Um, would I like to erase it or like, you know, not know about it? Probably not. I think I think I'd like to keep the past the way it was. Okay. Final question. A pilot that is no longer in the hobby that uh was from years ago, if you could bring back one, who would it be? Curtis. Curtis? Yeah, Curtis or Scott Gray. Scott Gray. Wow. Yeah, I haven't heard oh. that name in years. So the main reason with Curtis is he is definitely an open book um, when it comes to knowledge. And he has forgotten, obviously, more about helicopters than anybody else in the world. Um, and still knows him, more. <laughs> yeah, if, if you ask him a broad question, you were probably going to get a broad answer. Um, but if you ask the right questions, you could learn a lot from Curtis. Hmm. Um, and I will also say he was incredibly supportive with if that works for you, that works for you. If it doesn't work for you, you need to try something else. Hmm. Interesting. Um, 
and everybody kind of gets caught up in that. I know I have in the past too, of where if this setup works for you, you think it should work for everybody else. Um, Curtis was entirely the opposite of that. If you needed positive expo, you just did whatever you needed to do. Um, I think out of all the stuff that I've learned in the hobby, him teaching me that was probably the most valuable. Wow. Kyle, I'm going to put you on the spot. Same question. Who would it be from oh your past? I wasn't, I wasn't planning to answer that. Uh, they won't have hurt feelings. They're not in the hobby anymore, so. <laughs> um, I would probably go with Jason Krause. I always I, liked his style. I wondered if you guys would hit on Jason or, you know, like, I know Todd Bennett's kind of still around, but, but you know, of that generation. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I would go with Jason. I always liked his big open flying style. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it oh, up. Oh, I don't get a question. Well, you want a question? I don't get a, I want the same question. I want to equal opportunity. So, so, oh, you want me to ask you the question? Go ahead. What you got? Who would you bring Tim, back? Tim Jones. Tim Jones. That would, you know, that would be fun. Yeah. He was very purpose, wasn't he? It was like hard and fast. Break it. Yeah. Can I break it? <laughs> there yeah. was no grace there. It was just All I got to say is I feel sorry for his girlfriends. Good Lord. <laughs> Pile driver. Pile driver. <laughs> right. <Boy>. Yep. Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. And you, Kevin? Oh, gosh. Um,. Bring back an oldie from the past. Hmm. I was not prepared to answer either, even though I was one asking the question. I have another one. I have another one if you don't have it. Do you? Um, yeah. You know, I, I know who I'd say. Um, of course, he has come back a little bit with Marcus Kim, but but maybe like um, Henry Caldwell or somebody like that. You know what I mean? Because mm. they were just fun to be around, and his flying style was just completely chaotic, you know? Yeah. And... Uh, I had it was fun watching him whenever I was first learning. But Marcus Kim too for me was I mean, even though he's back now, but you know, uh watching him was very exciting too. Nice. Yeah. So Maynard, you wanna input on this? Yeah. I, I don't think I've been around long enough. Okay. Sounds <laughs> good. All right. Well, Nick, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that, sir? Um, well, so I am not a huge social media person, but um, I do have uh, Nick Maxwell Products at gmail.com. Uh, um, feel free to, to email there. Um, I will say my Futaba email uh, that most people knew about, um, I do not work there full time anymore. Uh, so I don't have that email. Okay. Um, and I do not use Facebook Messenger very often. Um, so if I if you have messaged me on Facebook, I do apologize. I probably just haven't seen it. Um, but I can answer emails pretty quickly. So Yeah. He takes donations in the form of Taco Bell gift cards. <laughs> <laughs> Olive Garden. Olive Garden. Olive Garden. Wings. Well you fancy. <laughs> well, I, I can't take my dates home, so I say uh, she she has to take her to Olive Garden. Oh my gosh, Nick! Yeah. <laughs> Nick's like, can we go to your place? They'll get her every time. My maid, my maid hasn't come by in a while. Can we go to your place? <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, cool. Oh crap! 
All right. Well, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us at theheliheadshow at gmail.com. Uh, if you would like to be an average Joe, you have questions, show ideas, hit us up. We would love to hear from you. And uh, what else we got? Since Scott's not here, Kyle, why don't you take like it? Like our Facebook page. Oh, Follow and subscribe us on <laughs> Podbean and iTunes. That dude said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, not huh? Somebody, somebody call my name okay. oh, yeah what no need uh, shout out to the other heli podcasts and video personalities in the hobby yes. too so let's not forget about free fall you know and all the other cool podcasts absolutely so all yeah. right parting words what you got gooch oh this one is a good list. one since, oh yeah I got a list so don't hate all right hashtag flag baller you know, uh, hashtag F3 sleep. Yeah. Which, uh, let's not, uh, pull ourselves. Somebody was asleep on this podcast. Mm. Uh, hashtag Scott will not fly my Genesis or Henesis. Yes, he will. One day, maybe one day. If he's got like $1,600 cash, maybe mm-hmm. <clears throat> hashtag where are we at with the budget, Kevin? Hmm. Buying Genesis, I guess. Well, apparently I'm not going to buy a new couch then. Shoot. <laughs> you got to sell yours. <laughs> You'd be more productive if you sold it, see? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. I do use the couch for some activities for work. Uh, hashtag, I'm going to start. I'm starting to fly like skids. No, Jesus. you're not. I'm not. I don't, don't do, do the hurricanes. Then you'll so, have people come out of the woodworks wanting to challenge you. I know. So I, I had this thought when we were talking about difficulty on maneuvers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't, you know, run the hurricane at different speeds and think that's different. You know, it's more difficult because you ran it fast, slow, and a medium speed. Mm. So that's gonna, that's gonna put you in a pickle. Mm. You that know? reminds me, I gotta add a, a thing in here. Mine. Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. Uh, hashtag see you all at the Spring Fling 2021. I was there. It was a drive-by fun fly for me. I showed up at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday and left the next Sunday at 9 o'clock. So that was fun. And then the last one, hashtag flysexual2021. <laughs> yep. From Ryan Honus. Nice. Yep. And... Fence post is not here. Mm. Mm. Well, mm. let's go to Luke Warmhands. What you got, buddy? Hashtag more conditions don't make you fly better. Oh, <laughs> nice. And hashtag no couch, no problems. There it is. Oh, it's a good one. There it is. <laughs> oh, gosh. Maynard, what Maynard. you got, buddy? What do I got? I still got to come up with some. You, yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah. How about hashtag uh, wake up? There's a podcast. Yeah. How about uh, <laughs> hashtag night all will get your Z's. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Hmm. Anything else? Yeah. No. He's got nothing but Z's. <laughs> I got nothing. All right. Well, we have uh, hashtag July 15th through the 18th. Come to South Kanukistan to the Ohio Heli Throwdown. 
Looking yep. forward to that one. There will be competitions. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. We've got um, hashtag if you don't fly well, then at least crash well. It's our boy Brandon Cooper. And we've got uh, SAB broke because they keep me broke. And we've got hashtag Team Blue. Everybody needs to jump on the Team Blue this this year. And then we've got, uh, from our boy Kevin Tesh, we got, when this sucker hits 88 miles an hour, you're going to see some serious shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got uh, hashtag only thing faster than the runs. And, of course, we've got hashtag oops, I make people crap their pants. <laughs> Hurricanes. <laughs> Oh, gosh. And we got, uh, wrapping it up, we got hashtag two overhold. Thank you so much for listening. This has been episode number 47 with Mr. Nick Maxwell. We'll catch you guys next time. Later. Yes, sir. Later, how was that? <laughs> Jesus. It's all right. <laughs> Disappeared on. So at first I was, I was just trying to be polite and let you guys run through it, and the next thing I know, bring it out. <laughs> he instinctively fell asleep. Yeah, I did. I'll, I'll admit it, I did. Try like an hour. No. Oh yeah. No, I was uh, I was up for most of it. I just did what I just was on mute. All right, tiebreaker, Nick. How how long was he out? I have no idea. <laughs> he was, was too so busy long. being a part of the show, being productive. Yeah. Are they, are they yeah. usually this long? Uh, yes. Yeah. We we've yeah. gone we've gone until like one o'clock in the morning before even passed. Yeah. Oh, wow. Who? We didn't mention that Nick crashed. That is what is hot. Nick buried a Diablo. <laughs> oh, that's right. That was a few weeks ago. I didn't, know I, to, I didn't know I needed to go back that far. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is like, yes, I left that out on purpose, assholes. <laughs> you guys said weak, not weak sis. Weak sis. What size cans do you use in your F3C machines? Are they 45 or you're sticking to the smaller stuff? What size what? Motor. Can, like for your motor. Oh, the motor. Um, it, the, I run double D. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I like my um, cans double D. I use, yeah. the, I use the exact same. Yeah. All right, Maynard. Yeah. You sound like poopy. What's going on with yeah. you? Yeah. What happened? I don't know. You sound like shit. Is it still bad? No, well, that's no, no, better. That's good. <laughs> that was ah. better. It's better. Is it good now? Yeah. I don't know. It's better. Yeah, it's better. Yeah, much, <laughs> much better. Did you take it out of your ass or something? <laughs> no, I. Uh, I've had 
one of the like half my headphone kind of hanging off my head, so maybe yeah. that's why. Mm. Man, quit half stepping, bro. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Get, the other, get the other earbud earbud out of your your freaking ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, somebody's got to keep it plugged. Mm, no, fair. He's, he's just testing. Fair. It's okay. He's testing. Mm. Right? Try yes. lower head speed, more pitch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> sure. All right. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get to it and um, yeah, sure. talk some competition. And uh, I'll bring this back in. You guys ready? Yes, sir. There it is. God bless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think they just mean like, don't go out there and do skid bumps. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tag. How about cutting the grass? Is that allowed? This just sounds more and more uh, like I'm, it's not for me. <laughs> that is a really good question. I don't know if cutting the grass is allowed or not. Mm-mm-mm. Can't fly. Kyle, do it, and then we'll see if he gets zero or not. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a plan, actually. It'll <laughs> um, level no. the flying field and the playing field. Yeah, I, I actually, I have no idea. That is a really good question because that's a pretty good circus trick. If if it is allowed, um, I don't know though. 